Oh, Jesus. S&P 500 program trade by All right, this podcast is brought to you by masterclasstrader.com where we have the DOM trading bootcamp and the advanced spread trading course. Use the code TRADINGWITHGB to get yourself 20% off either of those courses. Or if you check out masterclasstrader.com, you'll see a button along the top there on the menu that says specials. Check that out too, where you can get 40% off if you buy both courses. I call it the no-brainer deal. No-brainer, 40% off. All right, let's get on with it. Okay, in this podcast, I thought I'd put together a few of the Q&As that I've received by email um, from the last couple of weeks just to clear up a few things. And I figure if uh, one or a couple of people ask a question, it probably means a few more people could benefit uh, from the answer as well. So today, it's going to be a short one. I'm going to cover a couple of things. We're going to talk about margins, margins versus options premiums. Uh, we're going to talk about a thing called margin offsets for spread trades uh, and another approach to uh, calculating spread ratios. So start with margins and kind of revolve, move into spread ratios. Uh, another question I received about interest rates and another question I received about the legality of spread trading, which is an interesting one. But anyway, we'll, um, the answer is interesting. The, anyway, we'll, we'll, we'll get into that. So first up, what is a margin? When we talk about trading futures, futures are a margined product, which means you don't pay for the full amount up front. You essentially pay a deposit, and that's what a margin is. So something like uh, if we're looking at the uh, E-mini, uh, your contract value roughly is about $150,000, one E-mini contract. The margin for that is $12,000. These, by the way, they, these might change you know, frequently, especially uh, you know this early part of 2020, where the markets are quite volatile. So margins have been higher than normal uh, and changing more frequently. So what I say now might not be the case you know, tomorrow, whatever, uh, but you get the point. So you've got a, a margin there of less than 10% of the contract value for the E-mini S&P for something like, say, the uh, one of the micro futures contracts, the Russell 2000, the margin there is about 700 bucks, which again is higher than normal, but uh, it gives you roughly about $7,000 worth of um, uh, of product to play with. So buying one Russell, you get $7,000 worth of uh, the equivalent of $7,000 worth of the uh, uh, the, the 2,000 stocks that are in the indice, uh, but pay only a deposit of $700 or $710, I think it is. Exactly. Now, what, what that is, is essentially it tells the exchange or your broker that uh, you're good for the money if the market moves against you. Now, if it moves a certain amount, you're meant to top up your account if you don't have that uh, in your account already. I mean, if you open an account with $700 and trade a $700 margin product, you, you, you're in the idiot category. Uh, you should have a bit more money than that. But the point is, if the market does move against you uh, and it gets down to a point, uh, the broker, the clearing member, uh, essentially requires you to top that account up or close the position. A lot of online brokers these days have automated um, closing positions. So it makes sense that if you... Um, in a uh, hit buy it market and go out for a sandwich and the market moves against you uh, and you're almost about to run out of money, it, it closes the position. Uh, 
so, um, but the margin is essentially um, doesn't guarantee, but it, it means that uh, it tells the exchange you've got enough money there to start with. It's something if you buy a contract and you pay um, whatever it is, and you're, and you're paying out seven hundred and ten dollars in margin, you get that back. That's credited back into your account when you close the position, no matter what you close it for. Okay, it's just a deposit. It's just there while you have a position on. Now, the question I received was, what's the difference first uh, between a margin and an option premium? Uh, and the argument was, and I've seen this before, I've seen this argument before, uh, where people say, well, hold on, options premiums can be less than futures margins, so I'm just going to trade options instead. You're not, com you're, you're um, it's like comparing a, an apple with a cricket bat. It's not a, a fair comparison because they're not the same thing. Uh, a margin is a deposit that you get back when you close the position. Um, if you buy a, a, a contract, um, the value of the contract, say a thousand bucks, you pay your, your margin, you make or lose, say a hundred dollars, well, that's credited or debited to your account, but you, then you get back that same margin as well, okay? So when you close the position. Whereas an options premium is the price you pay to own that contract. It's a completely different kettle of fish. It has completely different factors that make up its valuation. Uh, and it's not necessarily something you get back. It's not a deposit. You're, you're pay it's like um, the you know uh, chapter one on what are options. It talks about an option being an insurance policy. So they talk about calls and puts. A put option is like an like a, a insurance policy. So you, when you pay your insurance premium each year, you don't get that back, do you? You've paid for the insurance. Uh, it's not a deposit on owning an insurance contract. It's you pay for the right to have that insurance contract. That's what an option premium is. So margins completely different. So don't compare them ever. Uh, one other question was about margin offsets. So uh, one of my students on the masterclasstrader.com, um, the, the Dom Trading Bootcamp course, we've been talking, we've been swapping a lot of emails about uh, trading uh, the micro contracts as spreads. Now, in the course itself, we talk a lot about yield curve as the spread as a as a good spreadable market to trade. So we talk about trading the fives, the tens, the uh, um, the five year note, the ten year note, and the bonds. Um, and we talk about you know margins between them and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but we've been talking a little bit. I've been talking one on one uh, about these micro contracts, the micro Russell, the micro. Uh, S&P, the micro NASDAQ and the micro Dow and how to calculate a spread ratio between those, which is a fantastic way of approaching this um, you know, short-term scalping approach using these kind of markets for a number of reasons we'll talk about later. In fact, I already uh, spoke about it in the, um, if you've listened to the podcast on uh, the micro contracts, uh, the previous podcast in this series. So listen to those. We talk about why it's a good idea to trade those markets. Don't worry about that for now. Uh, but calculating the, the what they call a, a margin offset. You'll see it on the CME site uh, for those contracts, or you'll see it on other sites. They talk about uh, a margin offset. So what, and that's normally quoted as a percentage, but they don't explain what the heck that means. So when you see uh, a margin offset, here's an example. I'm reading off the CME website. Now, uh, a spread between the Russell and the NASDAQ. I'm talking micro contracts here, but even the, the E-minis would be the same. Uh, a spread between Russell and NASDAQ would be a three to two ratio. That is, if you're buying the spread, you're buying three Russells and selling two NASDAQ. 
Now, if you do that, you don't pay the entire margin for the five contracts. Right? Because you think about it, you've got a hedged position. One is hedging the other in a way. That's the whole point of spread trading, right? So it wouldn't be fair for you to pay five contracts worth of margin, would it? It'd take up too much of your capital for a trade that has, in theory, a whole lot less risk than trading the outright contracts themselves. Okay, now if you bought three Russell and bought three NASDAQ, you've got five long contracts. Fair enough, you pay margin for five contracts. But if you're buying three, selling two, you have a spread trade on and uh, you've got some offset there. So you have this thing called margin offset. So what you'll see on the CME side, it'll quote a percentage. Uh, and in this example, it says 70%. Now what that means is that's the discount you get on the total margin. All right, so let's say... Uh, as I said, the margin for the Russell was 700. The margin for the micro NASDAQ is 1500. If you're uh, trading a three to two ratio, that's about $5,000 in margin and you get a 70% uh, discount on that. So that's about $3,500. Your total margin to pay would be $1,500. That's what margin offset is, okay? Uh, so that... That margin offset is based on a spread ratio as defined by the exchange. Now, that's not always the spread ratio we use when spreading. This is the next question and answer I'll get into. First up, we looked at margins. Then we looked at margin versus option premium. Third, we looked at margin offsets. Right? That calculates spread margins. It's worth knowing. It's just a thing. It's yet another thing we have to know. Uh, but spread ratios, now that's a different kettle of fish. That margin, that the way they look at it on the exchange can often be not the right spread ratio. Okay, so they're currently saying the Russell to the NASDAQ is a three to two ratio. I disagree with that. And the reason is because volatility changes what is the correct ratio to trade. Not just that, actually, but that's where you start from. You start with volatility. So one method we use when you're looking at interest rate markets, you look at the ratio of what they call the dollar value or the DV01, the dollar value of one basis point. We spoke about that in depth in the Treasuries podcast. Have a listen to that if you're interested in Treasury trading. The way to do it if it's not a Treasury product is to calculate some other form of volatility. Right, and take a ratio of that volatility. If a, if a market, if one market is half the volatility of the other, you trade twice as many to make a spread ratio, right? That's the simple logical calculation. So we do that with a measure of volatility. You can use any volatility measure you like, whether it be standard deviation or I like to use the average true range. It moves, it, it is a measure of volatility and it uh, adjusts relatively quickly. So that will um, change how you calculate a, a, a spread. I'll go into that in a little bit more detail in the course and how to do that, but it's kind of common sense. Once you can work out your average two range, multiply it by the tick value of the contract. Right, so using an example, let me have a quick look. So, okay, so the micro Russell currently, I've got uh, an average true range of 60 points, which is uh, at $5 a point. Um, it's just shy of $300 per day on average. That's the range that the Russell moves. So that is a measure of volatility, $300. Now, the S&P, on the other hand, 
Well, let's go. Let's use the NASDAQ again. The, the NASDAQ is a couple of bucks short of $500 per day. That's the micro NASDAQ 100 contract. $2 a point multiplied by an average true range of 249 Call it 500 bucks. So you've got a volatility of $300 in one and $500 in the other. To calculate your spread ratio, you find the what's close to the lowest common denominator, which would be $1,500. So the Russell, you would trade five contracts to the NASDAQ three. It's a five to three ratio. Now, if we go back to that example of the margin offsets, you get a margin offset for a three to two ratio, right? Not a five to three ratio. It's a little bit different. So when you're trading that spread, if you do trade it in a five to three ratio, you would get the margin offset for a three to two and then pay extra margin for the others, if that makes sense. So that is a pain in the neck that uh, the exchanges don't keep up with volatility as quickly as they should. I think they check it on a quarterly basis, on a, uh, uh, at the very least a quarterly basis and change it with the contracts, but they, they can change it more often. I don't know how often um, it's fixed to change. I'm not too sure about that. But uh, what does change more often is the average true range, right? It changes all the time. If you're looking at a daily chart, it changes daily. So um, it doesn't change drastically daily. My experience in using the ATR as a spread ratio is... Um, if you're looking at something at, a, say, the short end of the yield curve, the five-year, two-year note, that will change frequently relative to the long end, which doesn't change so much. So you need to adjust your ratios more when you're trading that short end. But it depends what market you're trading. You know, something volatile, you know, like the stock market, you know, right now, well, that's going to change more often. And so it makes sense to keep an eye on something like that. If you are starting to look at spreads, then you need to start thinking about well, how volatile is one versus the other. And that'll tell you how to go about charting it. Right? So you'll be able to go and chart that ratio by taking your multiplier. You know, let's say we're doing a five to three ratio. You multiply five by the first market, three by the second, and then you calc that calculates your ratio. Does that make sense? So, and then you can chart, start charting that. And then uh, and then what you do, you just start fiddling around with those ratios too. Like, well, I'm a bit more biased than NASDAQ versus the Russell, or um, I think, you know, those small cap stocks are going to start to pick up once the economy starts picking up, which is a thing. Uh, then you want to bias one way or the other, and that's what spread trading is, figuring out that bias. And that's what it kind of boils down to. Uh, so that kind of covers uh, spread ratios. I've rambled on a bit too long about that. Uh, but um, look, if you if you need more info on that, just email me. I've got some more info. I can email you uh, about it too. Uh, another question I had, a real quick one. In fact, two last questions, real quick. Uh, one person emailed me and said, are interest rates too low to trade? And I, I think, well, no is the short answer, but I kind of wondered why I was being asked that question. I think what it is, is if you go and pull up a chart right now on say, I'll do it, um, pull up a chart on the two-year note, five-year note, uh, 10 year note bond to a lesser extent that long end but if you look at the say twos fives tens it looks like the market has fallen asleep it had that massive rally uh, which um, you know negative correlation to the stock market back in February into into March mid-March and then everything seemed to stop I'm looking at the two-year note right now it looks like it's just fallen asleep uh, let me click on the fives same goes for the fives you know, it, it had that rally to mid-March and then just went, that's it, doors closed. 
that's if you look at a chart that includes that volatile period in February. Now, if you if you kind of scroll away and scroll that out, uh, or look at your average true range, you'll see that the markets are still moving. You know, um, on the five-year note, you've still got uh, six thirty seconds volatility a day, according to the average. It's still low, but it's still tradable. You know, on the note, you've still got about half of a um, half of a whole point average range per day. It's a five hundred dollar range per day. That's still very tradable, very tradable. So the answer to the question: Are interest rates too low to trade? No, is the answer. Uh, there's no real reason for them to go up right now massively, and it, it feels like that's going to be in place for a long time. And in fact, even before 2020 came around, people were talking about interest rates staying low for a long time. Well, they've got even lower since, but um, uh, they've been talking about that for quite a while. There's no real driver of inflation for a while. But um, that that means that there's still, that doesn't mean that there's not trading opportunity left. I mean, as I just said, the 10-year note still has a $500 range a day. Uh, and there are lots of traders out there, and I'm talking the professional end of the market too, that make their money from these range trading markets. It's a matter of getting in there, being active and being, you know, all of that. But that's another thing altogether. But there are people that don't necessarily need a big long trend to make money. In fact, some people don't even trade when those things are happening and they prefer those range trading markets. So things like a $500 a day is definitely tradable. Okay, our final question, quick one. Uh, I received an email last night because I talk a lot about spread trading and have a spread trading course and all of that. Uh, the question was, is spread trading illegal in the US? The answer is no. No, it's not. Uh, the question, it took me, it scratched my head for a second. I thought, what are they talking about? But what I realized is the person was mixing up the idea of spread betting versus spread trading. Let me tell you, they're completely different things. Completely different. So uh, it shares one word, but it doesn't share anything else. Spread betting is a UK-based term. In Australia, we call them CFDs, but spread betting over there, um, it's a derivative product. It's essentially uh, being able to trade on a, uh, on a stock or an index or whatever. Uh, it's Again, it's an OTC market. It's an over-the-counter market, not an exchange-traded product. Uh, the, whole, the concept of spread betting, which I think is an unfortunate term, uh, because it sounds like it's in the gambling, you know, 100% in the gambling kind of category, which it's, it is and it isn't. It depends how you go about it, of course. But uh, the, the concept of spread betting is nothing to do with spread trading. So spread betting means you're betting, um, you're trading a product that is based on the value of another, which is what a derivative is. But it's a, it's a category of derivatives, if you like, that has their own regulations and participants and all that kind of stuff. UK term. Uh, in Australia, we call them CFDs, contracts for difference. They're not illegal to trade. Uh, but um, spread trading com is completely different. When we talk about spread trading, it, it, we're talking about trading one uh, asset versus another. We're trading a 10-year note versus a 30-year bond or long bond. And we're trading the, the, the price differential between them. We're trading soybeans versus corn, gold versus silver. We're trading the Russell versus the NASDAQ. Uh, we're not trading direction as such. We're just trading the value between them. Anyone who's ever traded options or read a book about options or got past chapter three of about a book, uh, a, a book on options knows what I'm talking about. We talk about spread trading. We talk about the relative value. Okay, so that's what spread trading is. And it definitely isn't illegal. Okay, 
Uh, so that's about it. We wrapped it up. That's a few questions uh, we've covered this week. Uh, join us next, next week. I don't know what we're going to be talking about then, but I'll think of something. Talk to you then. Bye now. You've reached the end of another episode of the Trading with GB podcast. Thanks for listening and see you at the next episode.